Americans gave $475 billion to charity last year, but we spent over 300 times more than that buying stuff. So if we care about issues, whatever it might be, you know, climate change, global poverty, economic equality, women's empowerment, any, anything, that huge mountain of resources that is consumer spending, that's the most powerful tool we have to make an impact. Welcome to the Responsibly Different Podcast, sharing stories and insights from people harnessing purchasing power as a force for good. On today's episode is Colin Schwartz, the founder of Dungood. We're such big fans of Dungood that we have welcomed them into the Deergo Collective family as a brand partner. Dungood is an online marketplace that makes shopping your values easy. Forbes has called them the Amazon of social good. Every vendor on Dungood pays a living wage and has best practices around protecting our planet. And for every order made on the Dungood site, they offset the carbon of the shipping to get your products to your door. Dungood was originally certified as a B Corp in 2016 with a score of 103.2 and was a Best for the World honoree in 2018. And while their certification lapsed during the pandemic, they are working on becoming certified again. They are truly leveraging purchasing power for consumers as a force for good in a responsibly different way. Be sure to listen through to the end of this episode for a discount code that you can use for your own shopping on Dungood. Colin, super excited to have you on the show. To get us started, uh, for folks that aren't familiar with Dungood, can you share a little bit about the company and, and what y'all do? Yeah. Well, thanks uh, again for having me on, Ben. I appreciate it. Uh, well, you know, I mean, Forbes called us the Amazon for social good. That's usually a pretty quick explainer. And so it's a shopping site where you can get all sorts of stuff that you might need, clothing, coffee, food and drinks, you know, skincare uh, items and all sorts of other stuff. But we screen every company to make sure that they're all paying good wages, using really eco-friendly practices so that, you know, every everything you are getting, every dollar that you're spending, you're helping to make the world better instead of worse. And you're supporting things that that you believe in. I mean, I guess I, I put it another way. I mean, the reason I quit my old career to do this, I, I think it's the, you know, the most uh it's a tool to use the most powerful force we all have to impact the world. I really believe that who we give our money to is the number one way we impact the world. So we, and it's really, it's a powerful force collectively, right? Like all of us together, those dollars we spend, that controls what kind of economy we have, right? It's a supply and demand economy. Whatever we all demand, the market supplies. And we can demand, you know, these kind of products at these kind of prices, whatever. We can also demand better wages with our purchases, the market's going to supply higher wages. And we can demand, uh, you know, products made that help to fight climate change, the market is going to going to supply more of those. We always cite the stat Americans gave $475 billion to charity last year, but we spent over 300 times more than that buying stuff. So if we care about issues, whatever it might be, you know, climate change, global poverty, economic equality, women's empowerment, any, anything, that huge mountain of resources that is consumer spending, that's the most powerful tool we have to make an impact on those issues. And so I guess, you know, it's the website, it's the shopping site, but it's also for us, it's it's the platform to help people wield 
the most powerful tool they have to impact the world. That's ultimately what we're what we're trying to do. That's amazing. And so you touched on there that you had a, a big career change. You know, yeah. can you share with folks what you were doing before and and kind of what created this pivot for you? Yeah, I was working in politics. I was a I was a spokesman for politicians, which you know I think in a sense is actually noble work. I mean, you know, it's it was fighting fighting for all the same issues, right? Fighting for uh, greater economic equality, fighting climate change, uh, doing that in the you know in the public policy arena, and so was a communications director for members of Congress. Or my last job in D.C., I was uh, working in the Obama administration, and you know it's. I think it's important work. I think everyone should vote. You know what I mean? Just like I think everyone should continue to give to nonprofits. And there's so many nonprofits doing amazing things and amazing work. I just, uh, I found the pace of change in D.C. to be kind of slow and incremental and, you know, largely gridlock stuff that, you know, is not a, not a surprise to anybody. So, again, I, I think that work's important. I'm glad there's a lot of young people with a lot of energy still down there fighting the good fight. But you also, you feel like you're kind of just fighting the other side to an endless tie sometimes, you know? And so I took a, a look around and I said, well, what, what is the biggest, what, what could create the greatest amount of change? What could really have the biggest impact? And I do believe it's all the stuff that, that we say about how consumer spending is the world's most powerful force for change. Well, if you believe that, what do you need to do? Well, help people, help make it easier for people to wield that power. And so I said, yeah, look, I mean, I guess e-commerce is the, you know, that's the battleground, right? And if we're successful, of course, in, in help, you know, growing done, done good larger and larger. So you eventually you have millions of people moving billions of dollars to support all these new social enterprises, new kinds of businesses that are doing good for people on the planet. Then you start to really affect systemic change in the economy. I think, you know, potentially more so than, than you can get done uh, in DC and in the, in the political arena. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, did you have like a, a light bulb moment or was there like a conversation or an ex shopping experience? I'm just so curious. Yeah. Like, was there a, a clear moment for you that switched? Yeah, that actually goes back prior to my, to my career in politics. I actually been thinking about something like this for a long time. So it's back, back in college, which I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. I, I was in college around the turn of the century, you know, like nine, 99 to 03, the turn of the millennium. So a long, long time ago. And I actually, I was involved in various, you know, progressive rabble rousing, uh, college, uh, organizations as, as, as one does, you know, when you're, when you're in school. And one of the groups that I got heavily involved in and got into the national leadership of was a group called United Students Against Sweatshops. And we would get our universities to put codes of conduct in their apparel contracts, right? Like a, a lot of companies want to make university clothing, especially if you're at a big school. That's a big contract worth a lot of money to make all of that school's clothing that has the school's logo on it, right? All their licensed apparel that's been sold in all the bookstores and all the all the stores off campus that people buy to you know support the school or whatever. It's a big contract worth a lot of money. So we would get the universities. We work with our uh, administrators at our universities. So some universities more in a more friendly way. Sometimes we'd have to you know protest and sit in and <laughs> that sort of thing. But we get universities to put in a code of conduct. So it basically just say any company that wants to bid on the contract to make the university's clothing and get all that money from the university had to demonstrate that you were paying some base level wages, not paying poverty wages, safe working conditions, decent environmental impact, basically assuring that you're not producing in a sweatshop, right? And so that was sort of uh, 
like uh, the exposure to the idea that along with public policy and along with nonprofit work, there's another big force for change, another really powerful tool for activism. That's consumerism, consumer spending. Now, this was, you know, a big institutional consumer, a university, but still they're not passing a new law. They're not, you know, donating to a nonprofit. They're just saying, we have a lot of money. And if you would like it, we would like you to, you know, do do better, do good in the world instead of you know, do, do something terrible in the world. We don't want our money going to support terrible things. And so that really was exposure to the idea that uh, consumer spending is a powerful force for change. And that I thought, well, if you can get millions of individual consumers doing the same thing, well, you can really you can really change things. I wrote a paper about that actually in 2002. I wish I'd have published it somewhere. Uh, and so I just handed it in to my professor and, you know, it's gone or whatever. But, uh, you know, no, too, that was pre B Corp and pre like social impact being a word, you know what I mean? Right. And like sort of before all this got started, I always had that thought that like, wow, we should do something to really try to galvanize consumers. And then, you know, got out of school and got a job in politics and, one job leads to another, and next thing you know, you got a career going. But I always had in the back of my head, at some point, I may I want to quit this career to do this other thing because I think feel like there is even more potential uh, opportunity to make a positive impact. That's so cool. And I'm curious too on that thread. Like, do you have advice for other folks who maybe had a dream and you know life took them in a different direction and are maybe trying to find their way back to that vision? Well, yeah. I mean, one, I guess, do it. Uh, I mean, let's see if I just did it, do it. You know, I mean, for me, it was like, uh, I knew that no matter what happened or happens with Done Good, I mean, the story ain't over yet. We're still, you know, not huge and still clawing and scratching to, to try to, try to grow the company, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger every day. But I knew that like, even if it failed, I would never regret going for it. And if I didn't try, I would always regret that. Right. Mm. Now, the other thing though is that like, you know, who knows whenever, when the right time to do it is, you know, like, I, I mean, on one hand, I don't know, maybe if I would have tried this right out of school, somehow that would have been better. On the other hand, there wasn't as many social impact brands out there. So who are we, who are we aggregating here? You know what I mean? And was the market ready and was, were consumers conscious enough yet? Or did, you know, when I did do it finally in 2015, was that the exact right time? Or was that still too early? Or was it too late? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? If done good gets huge one day and you know, we are, we have millions of people moving billions of dollars to, to toward amazing social enterprises. I guess we'll say, well, it was the exact right time. And if it doesn't, I'll say, well, it was either too early or too late, I guess. So I, I don't know. I also wouldn't psych yourself out that it's too early or too late, you know, definitely not too late. I mean, you never know. Maybe the fact that you delayed and, you know, hemmed and hawed for a while, maybe that meant it, that you do it at the exact right time. So uh, it's, uh, you know, I do it. And also, I don't know, you know, do it when it feels, when it, when it feels right, but don't, I don't know, don't, uh, don't confuse the, like, uh, I guess fear of the unknown for it not feeling right. I mean, you have to kind of, mm. I, I don't know, you know, how do you sort out those feelings? I don't know. Tough call, you know, uh, yeah. try to be kind of, <laughs> you know, get to that place of clear mindedness and clear heartedness, I guess. And, you know, and at some point, yeah, hell, what the hell? Pull the trigger. You know, have some fun. You'll never know when it's the right time. You're never going to know it's the right time. So, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I I think that I think that's great advice. Uh, no, I know a, a lot of folks refer to have, have dubbed done good the Amazon for social impact brands. I'm curious where uh, where did that come from? Who who was the first to? Well, if I'm being honest, you know, we always say Forbes called this that, but I, you know. I guess between you and me and everyone listening, like 
I think I suggested that to Forbes that they were the first one to print. I think we were calling ourselves that, you know, and then and then they they put it in a headline. And so now, of course, we say, well, Forbes called this that because then that sounds like it has more gravitas. So that that's the inside story. If you really want to know the, the truth, I said, on the one hand, yes, uh, on the record, Forbes is the first one who who called this that. And uh, I don't know, off the, off the record and, uh, you know, unofficially, I think we were we were calling ourselves that sometime before. That's that's the truth. That's the true story. That's the behind the music story. Right? <laughs> behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, also, so yeah, there's another good tip. Call yourself something to a reporter, and if they print it, you can say, "Well, Media Outlet X called us that." <laughs> right. Right. That's smart. Yeah. 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 Um, now, Dungood, you're the hub of a bunch of other brands. I'm so yeah. curious. How do you find folks, or how do you determine how folks end up in the store? Yeah, well, so we're, we say, you know, at the highest level, we're looking for, well, we're looking for companies that make great stuff and make the world better. So, you know, cool stuff, high quality stuff, and also that's making a positive impact in the world. I said one step below that, what's, what's make the world better mean? For us, it means good for people and the planet. Now, what do those things mean? So good for people means paying living wages in the place where you're located. Now, that's even somewhat subjective, but there's some, you know, MIT has a good uh, objective measurement of what a living wage is county by county within the U.S. So we look to the MIT living wage calculator for that. Or if operations are, aren't are domestic, you know, they're international, then we look at various nonprofit partners to help us determine what what that is in the region where the, the company is producing. So it's living wages. And then, of course, like safe uh, work conditions. Uh, no excessive forced overtime, of course, no child and traffic labor and things like that. That's good for good for people. Good for the planet. I mean, that one also, it's it's interesting and it's subjective because it could be, you know, anything from a major, uh, you know, bigger company that has production facilities that are run on clean energy and recycling 80, 90 percent of the water in the plant and using non-toxic dyes and eco-friendly materials and things like that. Or it could be a smaller company where, you know, it's people making something out of upcycled materials in a garage. And then, you know, that's when we first started, we thought, well, we're going to put a score on this stuff and there's going to be points and we'll have an algorithm. You know what I mean? It's like cool tech company kind of stuff, you know? And it's just like, we, we figured it, it is really hard to put a point score on goodness, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of like saying, well, let's give a point score to every human, every individual in the room and on who's the most moral. Well, some of us, I don't know, what are you ranking on? You know, honesty and kindness or this or that. And, you know, it gets to be pretty subjective pretty quickly. And so, like, you know, on that example, the big company running on clean energy and all, all those other eco-friendly processes and materials or a couple people making something out of upcycled materials in a garage. I mean, they're pulling waste out of the waste stream and the only carbon emissions is maybe like the light bulb on in the garage. Right. So now which one gets a better envi- environmental score? You know, I don't know. It's tough to say that big company is like pointing the way to a new economy. The other one on the whole probably has lower emissions if you're just ranking on emissions. So we anyway, that's basically it's good for people in the planet. And we we decided we're not going to do points and scores and ranks and stuff like that. We're going to tell the stories. We're going to tell, you know, done good users. Hey, here's what this company's doing. Here's what this company's doing, why they're super sustainable, why they're good for people on the planet. And then you can you can decide. Now, are you going out and finding these brands or are brands coming to you or is it a little bit of both? 
It, it's both. And now, uh, you know, especially the first, when we were first starting, of course, it was all us going to, <laughs> to talk to brands, you know, and uh, hope they would join just because they believe in what we're doing. Now we have an audience and we're more well known in the in the social impact scene, I guess, you know, and so we get we get brands applying to be on Done Good, too. Uh, and either way, our team is vetting every single company. If a company's already got certifications like BSORB certification or other environmental and fair trade certifications, then sometimes we can keep our process shorter and we can, you know, uh, use those certifications as a starting point. But our team is still vetting every brand, talking to people at every brand, asking them a series of questions, asking how they can corroborate what they're telling us and demonstrate it at the end of the process, signing to, you know, ensure that like everything, you know, promising, attesting to the fact that everything they're telling us is true. And uh, so we are, we're vetting every single company, uh, vetting every brand, you know, whether they have other certifications or not, whether they applied to us or whether we're reaching out to them. So that, yeah, so that, and it's, that's a lot of work and it's time consuming for a small team, you know, but that's the, that's that's really the value we're providing, right? We're doing the research so that people don't have to, so that it's quick and convenient for them. One, because all these companies are in one place, but also because like they know that at base, these companies are vetted. They're good for people on the planet. They're doing good in all these ways. People can dive in and learn more as they want to. But also, if you're like, I, I got to buy a thing tonight, <laughs> you know what I mean? I need it quick. You know, you can do that. I think just have that peace of mind that we have. We've looked under the hood and we've talked to people at every single one of these companies. That's amazing. And so now if there's a brand listening, that's like, oh, gosh, that's super cool. I would love to get my product on Done Good. Yeah. How do they how do they start that process? What does that look like? Yeah, please. No, we appreciate that. Uh, and so just go to our site, donegood.com and go to the contact us. And uh, there's a form for brands to apply. You just fill out the application and then our team gets back in touch with you. There's also a, a separate form uh, for people to suggest a brand. So it also doesn't have oh. to be, you don't have to work at that brand. If you work at the brand, then fill out the application, you know? But if uh, if you don't, you just like this brand and you're like, hey, this is a totally great fit for Done Good, you can just suggest a brand. And that's a much shorter questionnaire, you know, just, I don't know, tell us the name and the website and, you know, then we can reach out. Uh, so we really appreciate when when people do that too. So yeah, e- either, either uh, both those forms are under the contact us section on our site, d- donegood.com. I'll say, I'll say, I'll plug the, plug the site one more time. And so now once once you onboard a brand, what does that onboarding look like? Like, well, I'm curious, how does that partnership take form? Are you building a relationship with that brand or does the brand dictate how they show up? Or I'm just so curious, what does that look like? Yeah, well, no, I mean, we definitely build a relationship. And I mean, everything we do, our whole business model is structured so that we're positioning brands to be more successful because they work with us. Right. So like after the impact screening, that's the first part, but then say, okay, so we're, we're through that. And we say, yep, y'all are a great fit, you know, good for people on the planet, meet all the criteria. Then it's pretty simple from there, actually. Like we, you know, there's a technical process for getting their products on the site, but that's all, it's all automated. And so basically the brands take 15 minutes setting up an API key and then their products are automatically on done good site. If they change the price, the price changes on our site. So we're always just selling the products for exactly the same price as them. You know, um, the product descriptions, even that those are written by the brand, our site automatically pulls those in the product images, all that stuff. That's all automated. And then when people place an order on our site, uh, we earn a percentage. That's the, that's the business model. We earn a percentage of the, of the sale. And, but then the rest of the funds are sent like automatically to the brand 
you know, to, straight into their bank account, essentially, you know. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy and simple automated process. And we did that by design because we know like a lot of these companies are small and medium sized like us, you know, don't have huge staff. We can't make it time consuming for them. We have to make it super quick and easy. So then they set it up and then essentially they don't have to do anything. I mean, we like it when brands let us know, Hey, we've got new products. Hey, we've got new stuff to feature. Hey, we want, we want to, you want to write a guest blog on our site. You know, we're, we're glad for that when brands want to do stuff like that work with us and partner in other ways. Uh, they also, you know, don't have to do anything, right? They, they hook it up and they kind of set it and forget it. And then they're getting more customers and more sales that they wouldn't have otherwise anyway, without having to spend really any significant amount of time. And so that's, again, we set it up that way. And also why we don't take any fees up front or any, you know, I don't know, annual fees or whatever. It's always just a percentage of sales. So then, you know, if we sell a little bit of stuff, the brand will pay us a little bit. If we sell a lot of stuff for them, find them a lot of new customers, well, they'll pay us more, but they're always coming out ahead, right? They're always making more mm. than they would have otherwise. Cause we don't ever want to be in a situation where we're not creating value, where we're taking more value than we're, than we're giving, you know? Uh, Cause the whole point is to help social enterprises be more successful. So then there'll be more social enterprises in the world. That's the whole. And then eventually as we continue to grow, then even big corporations start to see, Holy shit, there really is consumer demand for, uh, for items made more ethically sustainably. It helps to push them in the right direction too. But all that means we have to set up the model so it's like easy for brands to participate and, well, makes them money. Uh, you know, makes them more, makes them more successful because that's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and part of that price piece, I'm curious, I, I, something that I really appreciate about Done Good and I'm sure other, uh, fans do as well, uh, is that, you make a lot of the products more accessible through price. I know something that we've talked with other guests on the show about is, you know, there are some really great companies making really great products, but they're at a premium price yeah. that just isn't accessible to, to many folks. Um, can you speak a little bit to that and, yeah. and how done good it is? No, so, so, I mean, I have a lot of stuff to say on this. So I mean, I'll try to keep it concise. I know we only have so much time on the show. I, I, th- I could go out on this topic for a long time because I have a lot of thoughts on it. One, I do always have to say, I think it's an irony of capitalism that people who work for a living have a hard time affording products made by someone else who's paid a good wage, right? Like there's something wrong. There's something systemically wrong there, isn't there, right? And of course, then, you know, the irony is the more that we all shop with companies who are paying a good wage, the more people earn good wages, the more they can afford to shop with other companies that are paying better wages. And it's a virtuous upward cycle, right? So I do think a big part of the solution is to is to, well, shop with companies who are paying good wages as much as we can. I also do very much get, I'm, like, I'm the same way, I'm on a I'm on a budget. You know what I mean? We're not getting rich over here at Done Good. I'm still making, you know, frankly, less uh, now than I was when I was working in D.C., you know. Um, and so I, I do get it. You can only afford so much and you're, you're on a budget. And so, I mean, I do think it's important to recognize these products cost more because they're paying good wages, doing the right thing for their people, fighting climate change. And partly I think about it a little bit as like, well, if I'll donate to a nonprofit, I'll pay a little bit more for something that's a product that's fighting for the same issues. Because if I'm donating to a nonprofit, but then I'm buying things from people who are, you know, exacerbating the problems I'm trying to solve through my donation, what the hell am I doing? You know what I mean? And so uh, I do think it's, you know, I, to stay conscious of the fact that like, yes, I'm, I'm paying a little more because I'm doing good for the world. That all said, yeah, we also work with our partners to try to help on price. Like we, 
we hold uh, major sales events from time to time and we ask our partner brands to participate and, do, you know, for a short uh, amount of time, do a significant sales event that helps make products more affordable and more accessible for more people. Um, most of our brands do a first time customer discount code on our site. Those are all over our site all the time. So the first time you're trying out a brand and that's good for the brand too, because it incentivizes people to, to try them out for the first time. Uh, our sales page on our site automatically pulls in all the items on sale for all uh, that, that all our companies have on sale all the time. So our sales page is sort of always automatically like the place to look for the most affordable, sustainable items, right? Because you can always find all the sales in one place. So we created that, you know, by design on purpose. We have a loyalty program like a lot of other businesses do where, you know, if you buy stuff, then you can earn gift cards and things as a, as a thank you and another way to help, you know, give price breaks. That all comes out of our pocket, you know, but we just, we, we do that because, you know, well, if you're, if you're a good supporter, we appreciate it and we want to provide some incentive and some thank you for that. So in all of those ways, we also do try to, you know, be the place where we're helping to understand, we understand that people are on a budget, this stuff's more expensive, the more affordable, more accessible we can make it to more people, the more people can participate in the movement, the better that is for the movement overall. That makes sense. And have you seen making those products more accessible? Have you seen like your core shopper, like who who is your core shopper and, and are are they somebody who maybe wouldn't be able to, you know, shop at a, a more premium brand? Well, they won't be able to as much, you know what I mean? Like any of us, even like on a, like a middle class income are, you know, we can only, we can only buy so many things and we only need to buy so many things too. Right. And so it's, um, you know, uh, yeah, I would say we have all sorts of people from all walks of life who are our customers, but we have found, we have a lot of teachers, we have a lot of nurses, we have a lot of social workers, a lot of nonprofit workers, a lot of people who work for social enterprises, you know, because what I think these are people who naturally care about these things, right? It's people trying to do good through all their choices and all their actions, you know, from where they choose to work, right? Like, okay, I want to do good with my job. And then a lot of folks, you know, we, we, we send out surveys from time to time too, right? So we know like a lot of our customers very involved with nonprofits, volunteer, donate, do all those things. And they want to do good with their purchases too, is right. We're trying to do good with all, all our stuff. Well, unfortunately, a lot of the jobs where you do good in the world, you know, teachers, nurses, you know, uh, nonprofits, things like that. Yeah. These are also the jobs, not social enterprises like ours. These are also the jobs where, you know, you're not getting rich. Uh, and so that's the, the catch 22 of it, right? Good. So people who are trying to do good with all their decisions, yeah, are naturally going to be, are going to be on some kind of a budget, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's the reality. And so, yeah, it's, it's recognizing all that. That's, that's why we, you know, again, try to set it up in a way where it's always good for brands and good for customers. Also, you know, <laughs> It allows us to like stay alive as a company herself, you know, and just trying to square all that so that it's like a win-win for everybody. That's the, that's the constant goal. You know, that was, that's been the fun, the fun puzzle uh, as we, as we try to set this all up. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. And so something I, I myself as a, as a consumer and a shopper that I really appreciate about the site is that you enable folks to shop their values quite literally. Like yeah, yeah. you can filter by B Corps, you can filter by women owned. You can like all like, yep. and I think there's probably what, like half a dozen different made uh, in the USA. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, a number of others, uh, another of other criteria. Yeah. yeah. Can you oh, uh, like humane, um, 
you know, cruelty free, no animal testing. Vegan is another one. Right. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. And, and, and especially when like gifting for folks, it's, it's so helpful. I'm curious. I mean, I think it's brilliant. Um, I'd be interested to know uh, if there is a value that's most commonly shopped and kind of where the idea for those filters came from. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest ones are always, uh, empowering workers and eco-friendly, I mean, right? doing good for people on the planet. I mean, all of us, I think, in, in the Dunga community care about those things very much, right? You got to be doing good for people and you got to be, you know, helping to solve climate change instead of instead of uh, contributing to it. So those are those are the biggest ones. Now, almost every one of our brands has both of those badges um, and none of them, not none of our brands are going to be bad on either. There are a couple rare cases, like one is like the Starfish Project. They're doing amazing work where they're they, they make jewelry and they uh help women escape sex trafficking in asia they provide living wage jobs creating uh jewelry then they provide skills training to those women uh so that they can graduate not just continue to make jewelry but graduate to professional careers that opens up more jewelry making jobs then they use all the profits to fund additional nonprofit wraparound services for more women so they can help women even beyond those who they can um you know, give jobs to make, to make jewelry. So they're just crushing it on good for people, you know, now on the environmental side, they're, they're not bad. Uh, they're, you know, it's a very low impact operation overall, but they're not doing anything like super incredibly innovative on the sustainable side. So they're like a rare one where they don't, they don't have the eco-friendly badge, but again, it's, we wouldn't put them on there if they were also like pollutive. You know what I mean? It's just like they're, you know, we, we save those badges for people, for the companies doing exceptional things. And only rarely will there be an example like that where they're just so ridiculous to get on one, then they still got to be decent on the other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be a, there might be a few that o- only have eco friendly or empowering workers, uh, but uh, almost all of them are going to have both. Now, from there though, we think it does really get to like people's pr- preferences. Some people, you know, really care about made in the USA. Some don't really. I mean, I'm actually, you know, frankly, when we have a lot of great companies who, you know, Starfish Project, for example, it's not made in the USA, but they are doing incredible work. Or other of our companies that are um, producing outside the U.S., but they are providing living wages, uh, you know, just well above average wages for the industry, investing in communities, just doing amazing work in those communities and crushing it on the environment and doing all sorts of other stuff. And they don't make it in the USA. That also means that's another thing that helps keep their products more affordable, though, because you can pay an excellent wage that helps people achieve ec- economic freedom and great lives in some other regions where you're still able to pay less than you would have to if you were paying 15, 20, 25 bucks an hour in the USA. So that's always the push and pull, right? Like, well, we want these products to be more affordable. Okay, well, here's a great way to do it. We can produce internationally, still pay amazing wages, still invest in these communities, still be transform these communities and transform people's lives and keep it more affordable because we're not producing in the USA. Now, other people say, no, I really like people who are, you know, who are going to be paying that 15, 20, 25 bucks an hour in the USA. I appreciate that they're, that they're making it here. Okay, cool. We've got a filter for that, right? We've got a filter for vegans, right? Um, so if you're looking for those vegan products, you can find that, uh, you can find that more easily, right? And so it's, um, yeah, it's about, you know, recognizing that we're all trying to shop our values. And I think when it comes to people and planet, we all kind of share those values and you got to be good on those issues. Beyond that, yeah, you know, take a look at take a look at what you're, you know, what what you care about and, and what you believe in. 
That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, you know, speaking of, of values and earlier you were talking about, um, you know, point systems and all that, all of that. Uh, speaking of which, it brings up B Corp certification. You all have been yeah. uh, best for the world honorees uh, in the past. And I know yeah. you're working on um, becoming B Corp certified again. Uh, tell me why being B Corp certified means so much uh, to you and the brand. Yeah, well, I think a few reasons. I mean, you know, one, we we just want to be a part of the movement toward, you know, the, the whatever we call it these days, right? It's like the, the conscious consumer movement or the social enterprise movement or the business as a force for good movement. You know, it's got a few different names, but whatever that movement is and whatever way we can be a part of it, we want to be a part of it. Also, why we're incorporated as a public benefit corporation legally. That's another way for us to be part of the movement. So I think, you know, we want to be part of the movement any way we can. We also, as you know, done good, we feel like our own, our company's own social impact has to be top shelf. And that's another thing about B Corp certification. It's, it's, um, you know, it's a way to be part of the movement. It's a way that other people can clearly know if those who recognize that certification can know, okay, you know, done good independently certifies businesses and done good itself has been independently certified by someone else too. Right. Mm. Um, and, uh, but also just going through the process helps you to think about ways that your business can be more ethical, more sustainable, have a greater impact in ways that you might not have thought of before. Right. Like, I mean, there's just there. B Lab has done such a good job of, of making such an intensive and you know sort of granular assessment process and really assessing all aspects of the business that like. It really makes you think and it just frankly gives you ideas. For, oh, I, well, shit, I hadn't even thought about, you know, this this particular thing or this kind of policy. I'll tell you the first time we were getting certified when we were just starting out as a company and it was like three dudes, you know, like there was like, well, what's your policy on this? What's your policy on parental leave? What's your policy on, uh, you know what I mean? All, all sorts of policies that were like... <laughs> We haven't even got there yet, man. Like we don't, we don't have a, we don't have enough of a company to like have these policies. But thinking about that early on and then baking it in early is really helpful. Uh, and it and it just expands your thinking and helps you to have a greater impact in more ways and and just plan for the future. Some of those policies we didn't necessarily need when it was you know a few guys. We've never raised any money. We've never sold a product. Like what do we what do we need these you know what do we need these policies for? But now we're glad we have them and they're in place. You know and they will be. Uh, ongoing. Was there a policy in particular that came out of that for you that uh, ended up being really impactful and meaningful later on? Well, yeah, the parental leave policy. Because like I said, uh, we were three dudes when we first started. So, you know, I mean, what's your maternity leave policy? Like, I don't know. doesn't matter. It's not going to be applicable. Well, some years later, <laughs> you know, when now we uh, we are a team, now we're a team of um, of you know, two guys and, and four women. So, uh, now we are, you know, women, women majority. Right. And, uh, and there, yes, there came a time when, uh, one of our team members, uh, was, was pregnant. And, uh, I said, Oh man, I don't even remember what our, what our parental leave policy is. She says, I do. I went and took a look at that old handbook you guys created a few years back. And I said, great, tell me what it is. You know? And she said, 18 weeks, hundred percent paid. And I said, we absolutely can't afford that, but that's a policy and we're going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, it's, it's tough. Cause you know, uh, you kind of can't, uh, I mean, it was tough for us to afford it, but we did, you know what I mean? And it was a policy and it was something that was good. And it was something where I felt like if this company does nothing else, but it helped a mom and a new child have 
a good start in life. And by the way, I think, you know, 18 weeks, hundred percent paid is generous for America. I also think it's not, it's not good enough, you know? And like, ultimately we should have, a, you know, a government system for this, like we do with unemployment insurance and like we do with other things. Uh, and that provides a much longer uh, term. I think that would be a good investment for the country. And it's not just a generosity and empathy. I think you give kids, you know, you start good human development, a good start in life. It means you're going to save money uh, on other areas in the in the long run because we have you know more healthy, better developed people. We're saving money on healthcare. We're saving money on education. We're saving money on the criminal justice system and things like this. So anyway, that's you know I think it it, it should be we should have a national system of this like other uh, uh, countries do in Europe and things. But in the meantime, you know, eighteen weeks, one hundred percent paid is a is a very progressive policy. We also our policy was gender neutral. As a matter of fact, it wasn't maternity paternity. It was. Uh, you know, primary caregiver, secondary caregiver. We do 18 weeks for whomever the couple deems as the primary and six weeks for, for the secondary. We'd also like it to be both gender neutral and just equal. 18 weeks. You have a kid, you adopt. It also, it does cover adoption also, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, it should just be 18 weeks. It should, hell, it should be, you know, 26 weeks or it should be, you know, something more. Like I said, it should be a nationalized system. Anyway, in the meantime, we had that policy in place. We, we honored it. And, um, and I was glad, you know, I was glad we were able to do that. Like I said, if, if some, I was like, if nothing else comes out of this company that we created, that's a thing I'll always be proud that we were, that we were able to do. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Amazing what you do when you're three dudes like, yeah, I don't know. Here, let's make a generous policy. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. But it should be, like I said, I mean, I, I can't imagine having a, anything less than a 18 week, a hundred percent paid, you know? Yeah. So I and you may have already answered this, but I'm curious what have been some of your proudest B Corp value driven moments as a company? Well, that was one. I think yeah. we just talked about one, right? Because it was one of those things where it's like, you know, especially because it was like we can't afford this, but we're going to do it anyway. But uh, so that that was one uh, the parental leave policy. I'd say another one I think was the choice to legally incorporate as a public benefit corporation. That was another one where it was early on. We were in a, a startup incubator program and a lot of people, especially this was back, you know, 2015, 2016. So there's a lot of people, investor types, you know, who are like, oh, I don't know, you know, you might have a hard time getting outside investment. People aren't sure about this, these new things, you know, public benefit corp, legal corporation. They want you to be a Delaware C Corp. And if you're not a Delaware C Corp, you might not get investment. So we didn't know, you know, I come from politics. Like, I don't know, are these guys right? I mean, is this true? And you know, you want to do what you believe in and what it works with your company's values. And also, uh, you know, what your company's values are if you if you aren't alive, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, you know, so you do have to uh, be smart about staying alive. What are the things to plant the flag now and do now? And what are the things to like do as you grow and you have kind of more, you know, m- like more authority, you know, to be able to to do these sorts of things as opposed to early on when you're like, I don't know, are we going to be just like, you know, begging investors to help us grow and we need them and they don't, they, they'll like, they'll like what we're doing, except this whole C Corp versus public benefit corp thing. And ultimately we just, we decided to do it. We don't care. Uh, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is what we believe in. And we need to be part of this movement. And, and what we also recognized was like any investor who's investing in, in us knows that it, this isn't just the right thing to do, but the kind of company we're trying to build and the trust we're trying to engender in people and potential customers. We got to walk the walk, man. And so that investor, if they don't see that it's also in their interest for us to be part of the movement and do all these things this way, then they're not a smart investor. You know what I mean? And we want smart investors. And so we said, like, one, it's the right thing to do. Two, 
this actually is a good business decision. And any investor who doesn't see that, oh, we don't want to, you know, what the hell? I don't think we want to work with them. So we did that. We planned the flag and it's never been a problem. I mean, there might be some people who've asked about it, but especially now, the, the you know, there's public benefit corporations who have landed major investment from VCs, you know, uh, and I just think, uh, you know, I think the question as far as I'm concerned is asked and answered. And if you don't, if that's still a problem for you, we're not the business for you and you're not the kind of investor that's for us. And so, um, so I was really proud that we, we made that decision early on, even when, like I said, I mean, we didn't, we don't know, uh, cause we're coming, we're, we're, we're coming, we're not in this world. We're not experts at it. You know, we said, well, screw it. We're just going to do that anyway. You know? Uh, and I would also say our standards for bringing businesses on that we, we keep, uh, you know what I mean? That we maintain and we keep high. Uh, and there's, you know, been times just like, oh, it's really unfortunate. We can't work with that company because they're really cool and it's a great product and they're doing pretty well, but we still, we never tell companies, no, we just say, Hey, come back. Or we tell them to go take the B Corp assessment mm. and we say, become a B Corp, you know, and then that makes it a lot easier for us to work with you. And that will just, that will help you improve your, your impact in a lot of ways too. And so, um, you know, so that's, we never say no. We just say, you know, here's some ways you can improve and or go take the B lab assessment, become a B Corp. Uh, and then, you know, call us back in six months or a year, a couple of years or, or whatever it might be. And I guess, I guess all of it, all of those examples are just, you know, examples where we've said, this is who we are and this is what we believe. And, you know, things are going to work out. We just, you know, be who you are, be what you believe. And, uh, you know, things will take care of themselves. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that too, that, Telling folks like, "Hey, go work on these things and come back," because it creates that opportunity for for businesses to get better and grow. Yes, and yes, I feel like that's exactly. a huge part of it too. Is yes, how can we help businesses be better too? Then that's the thing. Even our standards is not about perfection; it's about being really good, you know. And then continue. We're all trying to continue to to progress. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's the that's always the that's always the hope is that it's always a great. Here's a never a no. It's always a you know. One day soon. <laughs> I mean, like, keep it going. You know, it's always encouragement. Yeah. Right. Right. Love that. Uh, so where is Done Good now? What, have, what do you see for the future of Done Good and, and how can listeners uh, help you get there? Yeah. I mean, look, we're continuing to, to try to grow. You know, I mean, like I said, we're still uh, we're still a, a smaller company. I think a lot of people I take it as a great compliment. Ben Anderson, the former CEO of B-Lab, what, he said one time, uh, you guys really punch above your weight. You know, he meant and a lot of people think like, wait, you only have six people over there. Like we thought you were this like big company. Like I said, I always, I take that as a compliment, you know, I think they mean it in a good way. Like we just, with everything that you're doing and accomplishing and all these brands that you're working with, we just assumed you, you must be bigger. And so that, that, uh, like I said, I take that as a, a great compliment. Uh, but of course we, you know, we want to get bigger because that's how we have a bigger impact. The more people that move more money away from systems that are, you know, major multinationals and these globalized systems that keep people locked in poverty and are responsible for, you know, you know the, the driver of climate change and instead moving their money, those resources to social enterprises that are helping to to solve these problems. Well, the, that's our impact. That's the biggest I- impact we have. And so we actually, we don't talk about like gross sales. We call that dollars diverted because that's the, that's what that is. And that's reflective of the impact and, you know, in our, in our central mission, we're trying to, you were trying to divert dollars and help people divert their dollars to the things they believe in. So they're not supporting, you know, things that they don't believe in. And so, I mean, what can people do? I mean, go to donegood.com and shop. 
uh, you know, of course, that's super helpful. And the other thing is really spreading the word, you know, telling friends, um, signing up for Done Goods newsletter, forwarding that to other people, following us on social media. Uh, our handle, I think, on every platform is at Done Good Team, you know, um, sharing sharing that with friends um, and or suggesting businesses like we talked about coming to our website and telling us great brands that you work with that think, you know, have a great impact and would possibly qualify for our uh, you know, meet our impact threshold. So yeah, you know, shop on the site, tell your friends, tell us about great brands you love. Those are, those are three really good ones. Oh, and, and speaking of that and speaking of helping to make things more affordable and accessible, we usually make a discount code. Uh, I actually forgot to talk to you about this ahead of time, but we usually make a discount code for people's listeners. Uh, and, um, we usually do 20 bucks off purchases of a hundred or more, so RD20, RD20, that'll be $20 off, purchases of $100 or more. So that's another thing that we, we try to do. And I will say is we, I told you we make a percentage. I'll just be transparent. We just, we like to be open and transparent about all this stuff. After we pay the 3% credit card fee and we help subsidize shipping, because that's one of these things that, you know, Amazon has made people, I think, a little bit irrationally focused on is, is sh- shipping fees. You know, people would rather get pay $50 in free shipping than pay $40 with a $5 shipping fee. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'd rather pay $50 in free shipping than $45 if that includes a shipping fee. You know? like, so after we subsidize shipping somewhat, then we actually make about, you know, 25%. So we give $20 off a $100 purchase. We make, you know, 5% or maybe less, maybe a few percent, uh, so we're basically, we're almost giving the product away for free on Done Goods End, but that's okay. Like I said, it's good to help, you know, make these items more affordable and more accessible. It's part of our mission. And we appreciate if that gives people a reason to come to the site and try out Done Good for the first time, and then hopefully they love it and become customers for a long time and tell other friends about it, then it's cool. You know, it's, it's worth it for us to do that. That's awesome. Love that. And and thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure listeners will appreciate that for sure. RD20. Love that. RD20, 20 bucks off. Love it. Dungood.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy. And I'll make sure yeah. that that lands in the, in the show notes for folks too. Uh, cool. So folks are listening while they're driving or, or doing things where they shouldn't be writing. <laughs> so I got to ask, do you have a favorite brand or a favorite product? See, uh, you know, no, people ask me this and there's no way. I mean, there's no way I'm touching that. I can't do that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I had to ask. No, yeah, of course. Well, listen, I mean. I have some that I think are really cool. I always get in trouble if it's like favorites, you know what I mean? Like I can't pick favorites. I mean, you know, it's like asking someone, which of their, who's your favorite kid? You got a favorite? Like, no, I don't have a favorite. What the? I mean, I'm always even hesitant to rattle off some cool ones, but I will look, I gave an example of starfish project. That's a really cool. I'm just going to say they're really cool. They're not my favorite. They're really cool examples. I will say uh, my Kirgi slippers they are the best slippers I've ever had. They're made by women earning a living wage in Kyrgyzstan. And they are like made of alpaca wool. So somehow they magically keep my feet exactly the right temperature in the winter. They're like warm, but never sweaty. It's amazing. They're like, they're seriously a miracle. They're a miracle product. What else? I'm wearing a, a Vooster shirt. All their shirts are really cool. And they're like that that perfect mix between like whether they're you, you know, like something casual or like kind of you know, I'd say like Denver dress up, uh, you know what I mean? Like the nicest thing I ever wear to like a work thing. It's like, I don't know, it's got a collar, it's got some buttons, but it's good enough. You know what I mean? Like their stuff is really cool. God, what else? Um, my household cleaners, we've got also cleaners that are, you know, non-toxic. So that's another example where all this stuff is, I also think good for the person buying it too. We're not just asking people to sacrifice like for the good of the world. Like these products are really good, really cool. 
high quality, long lasting. That's another point when people talk about these products tend to be more expensive. They also last longer too. And especially when you're more intentional and more thoughtful, more conscious, you have getting stuff that you really need and that you really love and that'll last a long time that you're going to pay less over the long run than when we're buying this shit from fast fashion companies. They're making four times as many products as they were in the nineties, more clothing, four times as much clothing as they were in the nineties. They're just selling us more stuff and they're making it shoddily. They're making it to break down. They figured out planned obsolescence like the appliance makers did a few decades ago. You know what I mean? So they're selling us more stuff. So we're buying more. So yeah, it's, it's cheaper today, but you're paying more in the long run and we're filling up the landfills with, you know, junk clothes more quickly. Right. So it's also more sustainable in the long run. Just if you're thoughtful, get something you really need, you really love, and that'll last a long time. Uh, and uh, like I said, when it comes to like things like household cleaners, knowing that it's non-toxic, knowing it's not polluting our house, candles that are non-toxic prosperity candles are great when hand poured by, uh, refugees in Massachusetts, getting paid a uh, U.S. living wage. And those candles are non-toxic. You'd be, you know, this, a lot of the stuff, Yankee candle and stuff, you light that in your house, you're polluting the air in, in our own home. You know what I mean? Bed sheets that are, you've got formaldehyde and other chemicals in them. It's like, it's amazing the stuff that's going into this stuff. So we're all eating organic food, but what about our clothing? What about our bed sheets? What about our candles? What about any of this other, you know, any of this other stuff? We have all sorts of, of items like that on Done Good. So, okay, not, not favorites, but those were some examples <laughs> of companies that I really like. Oh, I mean, in coffee, I mean, we have coffee that I think really is great. Uh, okay. I'm, see, I hate to give an example, but Kikos, that's Colombian coffee, Colombian made, uh, LGBTQ owned. Uh, and that's what I drink every morning. Cause it's good. You know what I mean? It's not just that it's good for the world. I, I like it. I think this stuff is actually good too. And I think it's cooler to, to support these brands. Yeah. Cause they're good for the world, but also because they are just cooler and more unique and better quality. And it's, and it's, you know, a cooler experience than shopping on Amazon where you just feel like you're in the bargain basement warehouse. I, I think, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that it's good for the world, but I also think it's all, all these guys are cooler and better. They're just cool people too. You know what I mean? Like all our partner brands, everybody I, ever I talk to that works there is like, just a genuine and good human being. You know what I'm saying? So like also, yes, all the ESG metrics, all the impact, all the wage levels and all the environmental impact and the emissions levels. That's all. Yeah. Obviously super important to us. So we think about that. I don't know. They're also just like cool humans, man. You know what I mean? So like, I think it's like a better experience and uh, you know, just it's like cooler to interact with those things and have those, have that kind of stuff in my house. My house feels better. I, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I, I genuinely think that that just the emotional element, uh, honestly is like a big part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Any final thoughts that you want to leave with folks? Parting wisdom. Final thoughts? More words? I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, boy, I don't know, man. Wisdom. Like, I, I guess, I mean, I think that is a big part of it too, right? I mean, for all the for all the ESG metrics and all this, that stuff, like I was saying, some of the reasons I sh I shop on Done Good, honestly, are also just because I don't want to support things like every time I see, you know, ads, we just get bombarded from by ads by these big corporations. And you know that everything they're trying to do is like to make people feel insecure. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're ugly by my makeup. You're fat, you know, by my weight loss products. You're, you know, you'll get laid more if you buy this shaving cream or this car or this peanut butter. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all, you could see what they're doing. And like, even just like that part of it is also, I, I want out. You know what I mean? I want to opt out of that. I want to not participate in that, you know? And it's also just like, 
I guess, you know, feeling like you're on their conveyor belt. They're like, be a good consumer, buy up our shit. You know what I mean? Get it because we say you need it and we make you feel insecure. And because we're waving shiny objects at you and like playing off whatever insecurities or biological mechanisms, like, no, I don't. I guess that's why they call it conscious consumerism. I just want to be aware of what it is they're doing (laughs) and support different systems and support other kinds of people. So it's, yeah, it's the, it's the social impact. It's also just like a better, you know, human existence, a better human society and just, you know, not being, uh, you know, just not, not buying in, not buying into what they're trying to do and the way they're trying to make us feel and the ways that they're trying to get us to buy, you know, and instead of having to be a more positive and just a better, like, yeah, emotional experience. That's good for it's just better for the species, I think. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. And as promised, if you missed it in the episode, the discount code to use on Dungood is RD20. That will take $20 off your purchase of $100 or more and is good through October 31st, 2022. You can also visit the show notes to find this discount code and a quick link to apply it to your cart, if that is easier, especially if you happen to be on the go while you're listening. We have some exciting new programming coming to this Responsibly Different channel. Be sure to subscribe to Responsibly Different wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss it. Also, if you're enjoying this content, if you could share it with a few friends or leave us a review on your podcast player, like at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would certainly help us out a ton uh, and, and help keep the show going. So thank you so much for listening and for all of your support. We so appreciate you and all of the ways that you're rippling out into the world. With tons of gratitude, be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine. Music was composed and performed by Kevin Oates. This podcast is brought to you by our parent company, Dirigo Collective. To learn more about Dirigo Collective, visit dirigocollective.com. To explore other episodes and resources from Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com.